Open them up to 2 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 4 to kick this thing off. Hallelujah. How many of you know, if you're feeling heaviness or, you know, you just, you don't feel spiritual at all. How many of you ever felt that way? You just don't feel spiritual at all. How many of you know how to make the switch? Oh, yeah. Do something spiritual. Start praying in the Holy Ghost. Start focusing your mind on Jesus. Are you hearing me? Start lifting your hands and praising him and worshiping him. Amen? Just don't, don't give in and don't feed the monster of heaviness, the monster of depression. Amen? You got to do something to break through. How many of you are ready to break through to 2008? Yes. Hallelujah. All right. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through what? The exceedingly great and precious promises, that you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped, say escaped, the corruption that is in the world through lust. I love that passage. I love it because it shows us that we as Christians can walk on a higher field, a higher plane, amen? Higher than the world, higher than anything that the junk that the world has to throw at us, amen? So the Word of God says that we as Christians can be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Now, if we're going to be partakers of the divine nature, we need to understand how we are able to do that. I'll, I'll tell you right now, not every Christian's partaking of the divine nature that God has for us. Amen? Not, not the fullness. Now, I want to talk primarily about two words today, power and authority. I want to talk about power and authority. I want to give you an understanding that we as Christians have power, not just power, but also authority through the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Power and authority. So let's begin with authority. The Greek word that's translated authority in the Bible means this, the lawful right to enforce obedience. The lawful right to enforce obedience. Now, an example of this in the natural, of course, is a policeman or a policewoman. They have the lawful right to enforce obedience. Do they not? And they have the backing of the government. They have the backing of a city. They have the backing of the county or wherever they're at. Amen? Turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Let's start to put this puzzle together here. Matthew chapter 28. I'm talking about power and authority. Well, aren't they the same? No. No, they're not. 
And that's what I want to talk about. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, to understand your authority as a Christian, you need to understand that authority has been delegated to you and I through the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to get it any other way. It doesn't come through anything else. It comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Amen? All right? Now, I want to show you something. Now, there's something to that, too. There's something to he took the keys. He took the authority back of death, hell, and the grave. Uh, and that would be a great message that I need to get into. Death, hell, and the grave. How us as Christians can trample on those things. But go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 9, I want you to look at. Says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the, de- to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Now, because Jesus humbled himself by coming to this earth as a man, he humbled himself by going to the death of the cross as a spotless lamb of God, God the Father has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. Now, I want to point out in that passage that it says Jesus humbled himself. He was obedient. He humbled himself and became obedient. Did you catch that? Jesus humbled himself and became obedient. Humility is simple obedience to the word of God and to the will of God in your life. That's what humility is. Let's not try to throw the world's definition on this thing. Humility is simple obedience to the word and will of God. And in the decisions that you and I make in our life, there's the will of God and there's the will of the devil. Did you know that? Two wills. In the important decisions, the decisions in your life, my life, there's two wills. There's the will of God and there's the will of the devil. God is looking for simple obedience to his word and his will. Can you say amen? All right. So an example I just felt led to bring out is, Now, God's looking for simple obedience. He's looking for humility, simple obedience to his will. What about when the Holy Spirit prompts you and I to go and pray? How many of you know when when, when the Lord is prompting us to pray or when we try to take that step and go and pray, how many of you know Satan will, I mean, the the littlest distractions will come at that point? I mean, anything, anything to try to get you to stop connecting with heaven. Satan will do anything, but... Whose will are you going to bow down to? Are you going to bow down and and obey the will of God? Or are you going to give in to the will of the devil? 
See, it's our choice. Are you hearing me? All right. I just felt like I need to bring that up. But the Greek word that is translated highly exalted in Philippians 2 means an exaltation to the highest position, an elevation above all others. To the highest position that you can go. Highly exalted. It's great. I mean, if it would have said exalted, but it says highly, highly exalted. In all of the heavens and the earth, there is no other name that is greater. There is no other, no, nothing greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Stay awake on me here. Jesus Christ's exaltation is absolute and his lordship is universal. You know, there is no political correctness with God. Oh, no political correctness with God. His exaltation is absolute. His lordship is universal. And in fact, time is split into two because of Jesus Christ. B.C. and A.D. Before Christ and after death. Let the atheists go chew on that one for a while. They can't shake him. Time can't contain him. Are you hearing me? Because Jesus Christ is highly exalted. Now, verses, uh, verses 10 and 11, it goes on to say that the name of G- at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. It goes on to say that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. So those in heaven, those on earth, and those in hell respond to the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? When the name of Jesus is spoken on this earth, follow me now. It disrupts Satan's kingdom. It disrupts his plans when the name of Jesus is spoken in faith. So Jesus is all that and more. Jesus has been given authority or the lawful right by God the Father to enforce obedience. Are you hearing me? But now what about on earth? What about on earth? What about our role as Christians? What, I mean, how, how do we fit in here? Well, Ephesians 1 says that we sit, that we as Jesus' body sit with Christ in heavenly places. Now, I want you to know that's talking about spiritual authority. I mean, obviously we're not sitting in heaven right now, right? Right? It's talking about spiritual authority. Go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23, I want to cover here. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. 
far above, here it is again, highly exalted, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet. It's interesting, Jesus is the head of the body. Even the feet of the body, Satan is below the feet. The feet is above the enemy. Are you hearing me? And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. This is interesting now. The fullness of him who who fills all in all. The church, Christians, are his body on earth. And then it goes on to say, let me just read it again, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is that talking about? What do you mean the fullness of him that fills all in all? I mean, what does that mean? It literally means that Jesus' authority is really incomplete without the church, the body, enforcing his authority on this earth. Did you hear me? Well, that's blasphemous. No, it's not. It's God's plan, and we need to submit to his will and his plan. Are you hearing me? So Jesus' authority is incomplete without the church enforcing Jesus' authority on this earth. I mean, come on. Jesus isn't going to come down and cast out devils himself. He's counting on us to take his authority and, and command them to leave. Are you hearing me? He is the head, we are the body. We are the hands, feet, and everything in between of Jesus Christ on this earth. How are the unsaved supposed to hear? How are they supposed to be saved if there is no preacher? Are you hearing me? Now, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we are ambassadors. We are representatives for Christ. We have, this is rich, we have the full backing of Jesus Christ, the full backing of heaven as we go out in the name of Jesus and minister in his name. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to show you something here. 2 Corinthians 5, let's look at verses 18 through 20. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the body, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors, representatives, For Christ, as though God were pleading through us, say through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God has given to us as his body, as the church of Jesus Christ, the ministry of reconciliation. Some of you say, yeah, well, I don't really have a ministry. I work in the secular. I'm not a full-time preacher. It don't matter. You're a preacher. And we all, as the body of Christ, have the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Now, what is reconciliation? The reconciliation is this. The process by which God and man are brought together again. 
Think of it this way. You as a Christian are a bridge between heaven and earth. You're taking the word of God, you're speaking the word of God on earth. You take the prophetic word and you speak it on earth. You take the message of the gospel, you lead others to Christ. We are a bridge on this earth. And God is counting on the church to accomplish, accomplish this, to be the bridge by preaching the word of God, witnessing, by praying, etc. We have the authority of heaven to pull down and empty Satan's kingdom and promote and fill God's kingdom. What a privilege that is. Think about that. And we have been given authority through the Lord Jesus Christ over Satan and every evil spirit that is roaming the face of this earth or in the heavenlies. Are you hearing me? Now, I want to contrast between authority and the power of a Christian, all right? Authority is the lawful right, like I said, to enforce obedience. Power is the ability and strength to act. It's powers the ability. Authority is the legal right to enforce it. The, the, the authority and obedience. Are you hearing me? Now listen. A policeman or woman has the authority or lawful right to stop a car. Is that, is that not right? They get out, they flash their lights and all this, and they have the lawful right. They have the authority to do it. But they don't have the power If they get out of their cruiser and they stand in the middle of the road, they hold out their badge, they're they're not going to be able to stop that car, are they? You see the difference? There's authority and then there's power. There's authority, the lawful right, the legal right to enforce obedience, then power is the ability or strength to act. Now, there are four different Greek words that have been translated power. Some words have been translated power in in English, which a better word would have been authority to put there. And and I'll I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, But the one word that is translated power that I want to zoom in on in this message is dunamis. Have you heard of dunamis before? It's, It's where we get the English word dynamite. Dunamis is translated power in the Word of God. Dunamis is a Greek word, translated power. (laughs) I love it. It's where we get dynamite from in in, uh, the English language. And dunamis means ability, force, miraculous power, might, or strength. Now let me take you to a passage that that uses the word dunamis. You all are familiar with it. You ready for this? Let's go to Acts 1.8. Acts 1, verse 8. Jesus said this, But you shall receive dunamis, or power. You shall receive ability, force, miraculous power, might, or strength, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, the Holy Spirit baptism, listen to me now. The Holy Spirit baptism gives us 
dunamis. The Holy Spirit baptism gives us ability. It gives us force. It gives us miraculous power, might, and strength to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Now, some of you may be, un- may be able to comprehend and understand why Satan and evil spirits fight the teaching and preaching of the Holy Spirit baptism. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit baptism, you receive dunamis, Jesus said. Now listen to me. I want to make a statement here. Every Christian has authority through the Lord Jesus Christ, but not every Christian has the power because they've rejected the Holy Spirit baptism. Either because of ignorance or flat-out rebellion. They just don't want it. They're uncomfortable with it. Boom, done. So every Christian, they come in, they receive the authority. They have the name. They have the right to use the name, right? But Jesus said right here in Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses for him. I mean, you can see why the enemy fights this message so hard. Because in a Christian's life who hasn't received the Holy Spirit baptism, there's a piece of the puzzle missing in their lives. The receiving of the Holy Spirit baptism. Go to 2 Timothy 3. I want to show you something here. Second Timothy three. And I want to look at verses one through five. I'll show you something here. So don't belittle, don't underemphasize the importance of the Holy Spirit baptism. Are you hearing me? I mean, if it's in the word, I mean, it's, it's not a smorgasbord thing. Well, you know, I like this, don't like this. Like that? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take two of those. Uh, don't want that. If it's in the word of God, God intended for his people to receive. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, how many of you believe that we're in the last days right now? You're right. In the last days, perilous, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, harsh times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, oh my Oh, oh, I could preach on that one right here. What keeps a lot of people from receiving the Holy Spirit baptism? They're headstrong. There it is right there. Haughty, lovers of pleasures, pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its dunamis, power. And from such people turn away. I'll tell you right now, the Holy Spirit impressed this on me. The, the Holy Spirit baptism was not as rejected in the early church as it is today. Now, of course, there were people who rejected it back then. We know that from the account. But, folks, we are in perilous times right now. People have itching ears. They heap up teachers for themselves. Only things they want to hear. 
Are you hearing me? And they shove away those who really have the medicine they need. How many of you know medicine don't taste good sometimes? Sometimes it's needful. Are you hearing me? So you cannot walk in the fullness of the anointing and power without receiving the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus understood this truth in his earthly ministry. Go to Acts chapter 10. Jesus understood this. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I'm not smarter than Jesus. Are you? If it was good enough for Jesus, whoa, it's good enough for me. (laughs) Hallelujah. If Jesus said he needed it, we need it too. Hallelujah. Acts 10, 38. Look at this. How God anointed, how God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Why? Because they're twins. Holy Spirit and power, they're twins. They come together. You can't have the power without the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing me? Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, devil, for God was with him. Jesus would not have been able to heal the sick, set people free, without the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit working in and through him. Because he came as a man to minister as a man, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Well, when did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit baptism? Remember when he was baptized? He was baptized, he came up, and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. He received it right there. Amen? Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit baptism is necessary and important. But listen, on top of that now, don't miss this now, on top of receiving the Holy Spirit baptism, it's equally important to stay filled with the Holy Spirit in your everyday life. We need to maintain a spirit filled life oh yeah i received the holy spirit 20 years ago yeah but you're dry as a bone now spiritually are you hearing me how many of you know we leak amen you got to stay filled ephesians 5 we must stay filled and that's why we see all these people these charismatic pentecostal people who go in the ditch who commit adultery on their spouse who who do these things It's because they're not staying filled and they end up backsliding. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, uh, so we need to receive the Holy Spirit baptism and stay filled, maintain that Spirit-filled life. An interesting note in Acts 1.8 comes from the Greek word, uh, the witness, the word witness, I'm sorry, in Acts 1.8, the word witness. You shall be a witness for me, Jesus said. Listen to this. The Greek word literally means martyr. Do you, how, martyr. <laughs> I know it's not a popular word, but listen to me. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us strength to endure such a thing. To lay our lives down for Jesus Christ. Spiritually and physically if need be. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you, we are. Look, look what happened out in Colorado. Look at what happened at Columbine. Would you stand for Jesus even if it meant losing your life? 
All these, all these false religions and people are willing to die for Satan. Yeah, you heard me. For Satan, false gods. Are you willing to stand up for the true God, the Lord Jesus Christ, if need be? If that gun was pointed right at your face, I'm telling you, you need to think about this. Because we are in perilous times. Well, you're getting out of faith, Pastor James. No, I'm not. I'm being realistic here. Because some people are going to lose their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Now, uh, Romans 15. I, I, I feel such a seriousness saying that. I, w I didn't even have that in here. It's, uh, the Holy Spirit really prompted me on that. And I'm really feeling the seriousness of it. Think about it. From this point on, think about it. That if you're faced to stand and confess the name of Jesus, even if it meant your very life, don't deny him. Don't deny him. Amen? Romans 15, 13. Listen to this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Oh, so joy and peace must come when you're in faith, when you're believing God, when you're trusting his word. That you may abound in hope by the, oh, I like this, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know that word power there? Come on, what is it? Dunamis. By the ability of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. It is the dunamis, the power, the ability given by the Holy Spirit to abound in the face of negative circumstances and warfare. Are you hearing me? How many of you ever been in a situation and and I mean, in all in the natural, you should have been down and out. You should have been depressed. You should have just thrown in the towel. But there was just a peace on the inside. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, in fact, you're even as crazy to be joyful. What's that all about? It's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Oh, hallelujah. That's when the Holy Spirit kicks you into overdrive. I like that. Go to Ephesians 3. Oh, I like going into overdrive by the help of the Holy Ghost, don't you? Ephesians 3, 6 and 7. Hallelujah. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister, this is Paul talking, according to the gift of the grace of God, given to me by the effective working of his dunamis, power. Again, Paul understood that he couldn't be an effective minister on this earth for the Lord Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit's power or dunamis or ability flowing through him. Amen? Hallelujah. Oh, I like that. Go to Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 now. Just a little bit down there. Now to him who is able, say able, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the dunamis, power, ability that works in us, 
To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Oh my goodness. I like that. My goodness. Be filled with all the full. Now listen. The verse, to be filled with the fullness of God. Verse 20 uses the Greek word dunamis. According to the ability, the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. If we allow that power, that ability of the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, God is able. Notice it didn't say will. Did it say will in there? It said God is to the degree that you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think because of his power, his ability working through us and in us. Now, uh, let me tell you this. You and I are able to accomplish any task that the Lord has destined for us when we allow the power or ability of the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. Anything you come up against. Look at 2 Timothy 1.7. i got to show you something here a minute. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, dunamis, love, and a sound mind. Now listen, I want to point out that Scripture is not saying that a Christian cannot be in bondage to the spirit of fear. See, a lot of people read that and say, well, I, I can't have, well, we know that's a lie. How many, I know lots of Christians who are in bondage to a spirit of fear. Are you hearing me? What it's saying is God did not give that to you. God has no part to play in that fear, in that bondage in your life. Are you hearing me? You plus the Holy Spirit is a majority in any situation and any trial in your life. Did you know that? You and the Holy Spirit can move mountains. Amen. Hallelujah. Now let's look at some scriptures that pertain to our authority as a Christian. Go to Luke 10. Luke 10. Hallelujah. Power and authority. Luke 10, 17 through 20 I want to look at here. I like this passage. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give to you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, oh, 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, it says authority over all the power. Now, follow me. We have authority over the power of the enemy. Authority over the power Authority over the ability. Authority over the force of the enemy. Amen. Come on, someone needs to hear this. Yes. Amen. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
In other words, your authority, your authority alone is greater than the power of the enemy. Now add the power of the Holy Ghost to the equation. Oh my goodness. If, you know, if we walk in a conscious effort to, to, to keep that in mind, the power and authority we have over the enemy, over situations, depression, heaviness would absolutely find no place to land in your mind. I mean, there would always be a hope. There would always be joy and peace because you know all you need to do is release the name of Jesus. You need to speak the word. I'm telling you. So your authority, our authority as a Christian is greater than the power or ability or force of Satan and evil spirits. And that's why the word of God says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. See, Satan and evil spirits recognize the authority that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in the spirit realm recognizes our authority through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I mean, there's been people who, uh, who had uh, you know, near-death experiences and all this, and, and, and they would say when the name of Jesus was spoken, they seen angels come at attention and draw their swords. I'm telling. He said when they spoke the name of Jesus, or I heard some testimonies when Scripture is being preached, spoken, just spoken, demons were trembling. Why? Because sad to say, the enemy and the enemy has more of a conscious of the power of the Word of God than we do sometimes. Now there's an indictment, isn't it? Oh my! Now. So let me show you proof that the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, Jesus pulls some weight for us. Go to Acts 19. As I'm getting ready to close, sparking that little hope in there. I know you're hungry, huh? All right, Acts 19, uh, 11 through 19 I want to look at. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. We have uh, authority. And the power is available. Hallelujah. Acts 19, 11 through 19 says this. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were put, or were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them and the evil spirits, spirits went out of them. This is interesting. I just got to share this with you. At the Kim Clement conference I went to a couple weeks ago, one of the major prophecies was in 2008 that God was going to do very unusual signs and wonders and miracles in 2008. Sound familiar? That prophecy out there from 2005? People are going to come and say, we've seen strange things in this place. But anyways, one of the main things was that God was going to use, he kept saying, he had a handkerchief over here by his little piano, you know, and, and he's like, he goes, that which you would wipe your nose with, that which you would spit in, that which you would, he said, God is going to use the most insignificant things for his power to flow through. And so, I don't know, just, I'm, I'm just loosening it now, so when you see it come to pass, I mean, it's, it's been confirmed. But, uh, so anyways, get ready to see some awesome things. Get your expectation level up, amen? All right, here we go. 
Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Man, those fools. Saying, we exorcise you by, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. So these, these exorcists come up. These people have demonic spirits. It's, you know, I find this interesting too. Why is it that back then in Bible days, people knew when a person had a demon, but now they're always just diagnosing it at doctors now? People back then knew when something was demonic, and we're always trying to shove the demonic thing under the rug. Are you hearing me? Oh, all right. So anyways, these Jewish exorcists tried to call the name of Jesus. Notice he said, we, you know, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. In other words, we absolutely have no faith in Jesus, but I'm going to try this thing out. Come out. All right? Listen to this now. All right. Whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva and Jewish chief priests who did so. So they all did this, these people who didn't believe. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on, fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. So this, this thing sparked a revival in the city. Look at this. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. They had a little book burning going. How, who in here needs a book burning happening? What do you got in your house, huh? Come on now. But anyways, as a Christian, notice they said the demon threw the person, the demon used the person's vocal cords and spoke and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Man, that's an indictment, huh? As a Christian, we are on hell's most wanted list. The enemy knows who we are, and we need to be on the offensive against the enemy. Are you hearing me? They tremble when we take the word of God. They tremble when we take the word of God and faith in our hearts and release the word. Oh, hallelujah. They tremble. Mark 3, 13. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mark 3:13 13 through 15. And he, Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power, no, no, not dunamis here, to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Listen to this now. In verse 15, the Greek word that's translated power is exousia, which means authority or the right to act 
or the privilege. See, that's where authority would have been a better word to put in there instead of power. All right? But listen now. We as Christians not only have the power or ability, but we have the privilege. Say privilege. To command sicknesses, diseases, and demons to come out of people. Yeah, you know, that, do you count that as a privilege? It's a privilege. Oh, hallelujah. That is an incredible privilege to do that. Go to Mark 16. Look at this. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is interesting. This, you know, I, I, I truly believe right here, it says, those who believe in my name. In other words, those who believe the, what the word says. Those who believe that scripture is the word of God. Those, of course, who believe Jesus Christ is the son of God, died on the cross, shed his blood, rose from the dead. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And I, come on, let's take it a step further. Those who believe that the Holy Spirit baptism is a second experience. I think that scripture just puts that as a given in there. Someone says, yeah, but it doesn't say here, it doesn't say those who, who believe in my name and who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, because I believe it's just a given. You believe the word, you believe the Holy Spirit baptism. Are you hearing me? Now, so we as Christians have the power, ability, or strength to act, to minister on Jesus' behalf. We have the ability to be a witness. We are equipped with power. And we also have the authority, which is the lawful right to enforce obedience, commanding the enemy to loose your stuff. Are you hearing me? We have all of heaven backing us up when we speak and act in the name of Jesus. Think about that. All of heaven, all the resources of heaven are backing us when we go forward in the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, we need to go out with boldness and simply, let's get the job done. Let's stand in this place. Hallelujah. What I have to say is Thank you, Lord. Power and authority. Power and authority. Maybe you're in here, you don't have either of them because you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. And basically, you're a punching bag for Satan and evil spirits. You're, you're, you just take whatever the world brings your way. But friend, up and beyond that, without Jesus Christ, your eternal destiny holds hell in the lake of fire. If you've never made Jesus Christ, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, today is the day of salvation. Don't leave this building without making Jesus Lord of your life. If that's you, I want you to come forward. I just want to have the privilege of praying with you so you can get a new birthday. You can become born again today. Maybe you're in here. 
You've made Jesus Lord of your life in the past. You've backslidden. Maybe you're the one I talked about where you, you even received the Holy Spirit baptism in the past, but you leaked. You backslidden. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord and have a brand new start with the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to come forward. If you need a refilling, you get that too today. Hallelujah. You've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. You, you said the sinner's prayer, you love the Lord, but you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. I want you to come forward to receive Him, the Holy Spirit baptism, to be a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Maybe you need a, a prayer for, you have a sickness in your body, sickness in your mind. You just need prayer for something today. I want you to come forward. The rest of you, worship the Lord as the music plays. Worship the Lord. In and I want you to ask the rest of you, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him how, show me how, give me wisdom how to walk in the power. If, you, if you're a Christian and you receive the Holy Spirit, Spirit baptism, I want you to ask him for wisdom. Because I believe there's some levels that you, we have not tapped into yet that we need to go to walk in that power and authority. The four things I ask for come forward. The rest of you worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah.
anybody else, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to rededicate. You want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come to this altar. This is your opportunity right here. The anointing is flowing up here. You need prayer, you have a sickness, disease, whatever. Come forward. Shashi, get number 12 ready. I've been closing, I closed on a funky song last week. I'm going to do it again. But before that, uh, Jan, uh, if you want your name in the paper to be a, a supporter of Right to Life, it's for an, any amount, donation of any amount. If you, when, does it have to be today? Okay. So if you want to, your name to be under the headline of a, uh, of a supporter of Right to Life for a, a gift of any amount to Right to Life, Michigan, see Jan before January 7th. All right? All right. Uh, no Wednesday service. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.